Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are on this magnificent planet we all share together as we hurtle through space. Uh, this is Living Consciously. I'm your host, Monty Taylor. Today, later, I can't wait. We have a real special guest today. We have Dr. Deborah Wolf with us today, who is a holistic psychotherapist and anthropologist. And we've been stressing lately on the show that... The language of astrology is mythology, and of course that includes folkloric tales and all kinds of legends and sagas and everything, but what are they really? They're symbols for us to understand things that are difficult to put into words. We're all about balancing the right and left brain on this show, and I hope today we give you a little bit of food for thought to help you do that, because suddenly... When you understand the symbolism that mankind guides himself with through his myth, through his art, through everything, everything starts to have a deeper meaning. And that's what the theme of our show is today. And it's a very special show today. It's our 200th show on Living Consciously. Thank you all for your loyal listenership around the world. Uh, we really do celebrate you. And we're also celebrating today in the northern hemisphere, the winter solstice. So it's a shift of energy. And we're going to be talking about shifts. We're going to be talking about changes. We're going to be talking about evolutions. Not as an abstract theoretical external phenomenon, but right in the middle of our own lives and psyches. So without further ado, I want to welcome Dr. Deborah Wolf to the show. Welcome, Deborah. <laughs> Thank you, Monty. I am so looking forward to this, and I'm so happy to be here on your 200th show. Oh, it's a great honor. We chose a special place of honor for you. <laughs> Monty has been telling me for years that I should be on a radio show, and I am so happy that we're doing this together today. Yes, and dear listeners, this is your chance uh, while we're on live. Of course, you can listen to this on the archives, but... Um, this is your chance to call in and ask a question directly uh, to Dr. Deborah Wolf uh, or myself, and we'll see what we can do to help you. Because as they used to say in the 1960s, and this is very important, we're having another interchange of cosmic energy as transmuted to us through planetary energy. The Uranus-Pluto square continues, and we are right now in the six of seven hits of this exact uh, conflict between innovation and transformation. They started out holding hands, dancing together in the 1960s. That's the last time we had this interrelation of these two archetypes, Uranus, change and innovation, revolution, and Pluto, total transformation. Isn't that the theme of the 1960s, where everyone was revolting, burning their draft cards, burning their braziers, although I never did see the practicality <laughs> of that. But it is a time, they were conjunct then in astrological language. That means they were in the same sign in the same degree together. Now they are interrelating with each other in the form of a 90 degree angle to each other, which only happens about three times a, a century. And this is really important because a conjunction is like two planets dancing with each other. A square is like two planets having an arm wrestling match, vying for dominance. So what will win out? The innovation or the transformation, or will it finally be a balance? And that's all up to us. And that's why we have Dr. Wolf on the show today, because we want to talk about the symbology of everything. It's really important. But today, you know, we do have the sun and the moon in the same sign of Capricorn. And guess who else is there? Pluto, the and the Lord of the Underworld is there, where heaven and hell is, and it's all within us. They're being challenged with Uranus, trying to enlighten us and give us new perspectives. And that's the job of symbolism, heritage, and myth, to give us new perspectives. It's a very important thing that we're doing. Just look back in the 1960s. What was one of the number one popular songs? The Times, They Are a Changing, by Peter, Paul, and Marion. 
well, the population was rising in rebellion, and they are again against different formats of structure. Even music changed. But before we get into all that history, let's get down into dialogue. And we do invite your questions today. Again, the number is 877-480-4120. So, we just did a wonderful lecture this past weekend at Quest Bookshop as part of an ongoing series on the meaning of myth. And we were talking about the war between the Titans and the Olympians. Now, in reality, in today's language, that was a generational conflict where the old order had to give way to the new. But the old order was built upon, wasn't just discarded. And isn't that, Deborah, what most of our folklores and cultural phenomena and mythologies are all about? How do you handle the constant evolution that goes on, which is based on change? Most of the world's mythology and folklore, I believe, is there to guide us. And Absolutely. during today, on the solstice, during the darkest time of year, people gathered around and told stories. They connected with each other in community. It was a time of drawing inward. Uh, it was a time of also possible loneliness and fear and depression. Uh, so that the idea of the light, of the fire, of the hearth, of Hestia, uh, was very, very important in many different forms and many different symbologies. And I believe it's up to us to know how we can find within us and with our own mythology, our own heritage, our own family background, our own group, and what we've lived through already to draw inspiration and hope from that to connect with each other, to connect with ourselves at the highest possible way. And we look to myth, and we look to astrology, and we look to all kinds of guidance for that. Uh, that is why what you do, Monty, is so very important as an inspiration, as a, as a light. Oh, thank you, Deborah. Well, I say both of us, actually, what we specialize in is applied mythology. I want to remind our listeners one of my favorite sayings that Joseph Campbell said, really, most religion, which is man-made, is just badly practiced mythology. <laughs> but that's up to your own sensibilities to make a discernment about. But it's true. We are looking for connection, as mankind always has, always. And today, instead of gathering around the fire or the hearth or the temple of Hestia for the community— we gather around the screen on the computer or the television or the LED, and that is where groups of people can share a common experience. But it seems what's happening is the more we become technologically connected, the more alienated people seem to be becoming. And we are between two generations. <laughs> uh, yes and no, because the people who were born in the middle of that are part of a continuum, but we are as you have said quite frequently, part of a shift in consciousness yeah. that's kind of exploding, if I may mix metaphors. And the idea of getting addicted, for example, to social media, because mm -hmm. that is your lifeline to connectedness instead of connecting with real life people, is something when we're talking about balance, is something that we need to be mindful of. That's because exactly. for mental health, mm -hmm. uh, it's very, very important to connect as well with people. Well, I'm lucky enough to have uh, Dr. Wolf right here in New York with us, so I can see her frequently. And, uh, Deborah, you taught me something that um, really the symbolism is really reflecting back what's inside us, but it's reflecting back the state of development it is inside us. And so when we feel challenged, it's a chance for us to expand. And thank goodness for that, because very frequently people feel challenged and they don't quite know what to do, and especially with the aspects as they are, feel blocked. Uh, a useful uh, exercise, perhaps, is to sit quietly and allow your future self to come to you. And it's very interesting how frequently that future self is a great guide and actually inspirational, because even if you're going through times of loneliness or 
depression or feeling completely stuck, that exercise takes you into a different state of consciousness. I think mythologically it takes you to a higher state. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it can be very effective and playful. And why did you worry about this? And come on with me into the future is sometimes very, very inspiring and helpful. You're absolutely right. One of the techniques that I learned from you, actually, and I use it with my clients when they come to me, is uh, usually, see, people don't come to see an astrologer when they're happy. They're usually in some kind of crisis. And I have a large box of tissues on my desk. And believe me, I have to go through it quite a bit every week. But I have learned this wonderful technique for myself. I say, you know, look at your present self and the situation you're in. And look back at the younger you that didn't understand the challenges oh, you're so now good. meeting. That's so good. Then, after you've had that little dialogue between the present you and the you of the past that sort of was the witness to the onset of this crisis, right. then, as Deborah said, go forward to your future self. And I say to them, what would you tell your younger self now? What wisdom do you have that you would share with your younger self? Now, go and ask your future self, what wisdom do they have to share with you now so that you can get a different perspective? And uh, there's an even better complexity to that, which is if you need to make a choice, do I stay stuck here? Do I marry this guy? Do I you know, go to Los Angeles and try my luck in television there? Whatever. You can do a choice exercise where you're looking at both future selves and what that would feel like. And very ah, frequently. So the alternatives. It's yeah. an excellent unconscious. That's brilliant. Rorschach, oh. it's not me, but, uh, yes, I, know, <laughs> but, but I use it a you, lot. <laughs> thank you for sharing it. We're like the troubadours. We bring the wisdom of the real scholars, you know, down and make it accessible to the public. That's what our job is. But we have to do it effectively. So we're going to be talking a lot today about what we are actually living through now in terms of change and transformation as individuals and as a collective dynamic consciousness of a group or a civilization. And we're going to go deeper and deeper into it when we come back from break. But I do hope you will formulate some questions, especially if you can have some help uh, from some of the things we say today. So do give us a call at 877-480-4120. You're listening to Loving Consciously. I'm your host, Monty Taylor, and we have as a guest today Dr. Deborah Wolf, and this is the TalkingAlternative.com Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Bonjour, this is Dominique de Coq. Bonjour, c'est Tamara Zuboff. Bonjour, c'est Asania Kone. We are hosting Pardon My French New York City. Our guests come from all over the world. From Mali to New Caledonia, from Paris to Quebec. French is a common language, yet they all come from different cultures, backgrounds or countries. And their common desire is to make New York their home. Listen to them share their stories. Join us at Pardon My French New York City every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183 that's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. TalkingAlternative.com
And welcome back to Living Consciously on the strains of the glorious music of Maurice Ravel, who wrote and gave us that magnificent piece of music called Le Lever du Jour, The Rising of the Day, from Daphnis and Chloe. And on the time of the solstice, this is the day, the longest night and the shortest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, where we're turning direction and we're starting to move towards the light again. I thought that was a very appropriate piece. But we're talking today about our own experience, how it unfolds, and it helps us understand our role in the evolution of eternity. Quite interesting. You know, in my myth uh, mythology lecture the other day, you know, it was... Um, very interesting that two of the primordial Greek gods that gave birth to the universe were named uh, infinity and inevitability. So, inevity, inevitability mated with infinity, and we got the beginning of what we know as life in that perspective. But it shows how it goes on and on and never stops. And the inevitability is we have to understand who we are within the group dynamic. And since we are a collective consciousness on this planet, the importance of connection is truly much more vital than we thought. Oh, yes, the recluse can say they're connected to higher dimensions, but they have to be grounded into the reality of the experience. Deborah, you were saying you had an experience this morning on the subway about connectedness. This was so delicious. Mm -hmm. um, coming up here from downtown, I was sitting next to this woman. We were aware of each other, but not connected. And then this man got off, and he had a bag that was three-dimensional plastic of what could only be called a Shrek kind of demon in three, you know, sort of green and stuff. And she and I turned to each other and smiled. It was just too delicious. And then we felt we could talk to each other. And by the time, about two minutes later, when my stop came, she said to me very warmly, have a great Christmas. And I said the same to her. And then the woman sitting next to us said the same thing. Oh, and it was yes. a little urban, New York City, mini-connectedness that mm. made all three of us feel good. You know, oh, which, that's wonderful. You know, which uh, speaks to the point that connectedness actually, you can see what happens in the brain when mm. the dopamine kind of floods when you feel truly connected. Um, recently, if I could put in a little plug, Please. I went to a workshop on the chemistry of connectedness that was held by... Tara Bennett-Goldman, who wrote the book Mind Whispering about this kind of connectedness. Daniel Goldman, who had done Emotional Intelligence and other books, talking about what happens with the brain with connectedness. A horse whisperer having his horse do curtain dancing with Tara as a sign of interspecies connectedness. <laughs> and Aaron Wolf talking about connectedness between groups of people who have opposing agendas, uh, the Arabs and Israelis on the Jordan River, for example. And the chemistry of connectedness, now that we have fMRIs, can really be documented. But the rules for connecting, which I came away with, is to make the other person feel safe. Yes. Consciously yes. make the other person feel safe. And in that connectedness happens but you have to also make yourself feel safe and for this generation and these times that can take a long time to develop into the feeling that you're entitled to do that if you've had a bad childhood or something yes. but if if you're talking about balance to make the other person feel safe and to make yourself feel safe are probably pretty good tools for life. Yes, they are. And I find when you look at the values, not the necessarily moral dictums and things like that, but look at the experiences of different generations. Now, for example, my generation, we went to school freely. It was wonderful. But today, children have to go through metal detectors. They have hall monitors, sometimes with guns. They have become so desensitized to being under surveillance 
that they take it for granted. So going to the airport, I remember when you took a flight and it was a real hospitable invitation, like going to a first-class hotel even if you were flying economy. And it was very, very different. But now it's a very, very different situation. So there's the contrast of generational evolution because you were mentioning it's so important to make the other person feel safe and at the same time to feel safe yourself. And I find the millennials, as we call them, those born after 1980, have become desensitized to a certain degree through the impersonal, anonymous kind of social media correspondence they have, down to the constant emphasis, perhaps overemphasis, on security, which is limiting individual expression. What would you share with us about that? Uh, I think that that generally is probably true, though I myself am not a millennial. Right. Uh, but I really feel a tremendous amount of empathy for them. It isn't easy. I find that the people I have who are who are in my practice are very active with the social media, but also really yearn for and try to make time for personal contact. You were speaking of balance, that they realize that social media, addictive as it can be, is not enough, that your heart, in a way, yes. is not engaged. Yes, you expressed to me that you felt uh, from your research that there's a hunger amongst the young people of today, the new generation, for um, craftsmanship, for personal expression through art, instead of having everything just be computer-generated. They are looking for... As generations have always done, they've looked two generations ago for reassurance. And I see that kind of happening now. Well, Brooklyn is the mecca for artisanal everything. Yes, yes. And I believe that, of course, it's that movement, that wanting to get away from mass production and really do things in the way that... But there's a difference. It's... For, for the millennials in the style that they do it, they'll go back to home brewing, they'll go back to wonderful kinds of products, uh, weaving. Mm-hmm. And I find, I think, as you're talking about building on past generations as a foundation, that there's a tremendous amount of uh, satisfaction in doing, slowing down and doing those kinds of handicrafts and creating uh, in a more traditional way. It's yes. a very interesting uh, dichotomy. Well, was it Plato that said, he who is of his own time is of all time? And I look at these young people. They grew up since kindergarten with technology. They could use computers when they were in elementary school. My generation, you know, looks at them with fear and trepidation. We have absolutely no idea. It just seems so. But they're used to it. Therefore, they can use it as an art form. They're using it. Yes. In ways we don't. Beautiful computer-generated graphics and, yes, and art, definitely. They respond immediately to symbols, and they don't have the attention span, justifiably so, uh, for a lot of wordy explanations of things. Don't you find that? Uh, Again, in general. uh, I Mm -hmm. think it has a lot to do with temperament as well. But if you're looking at a a cohort, if you're looking at a zeitgeist, yes. Mm -hmm. Zeitgeist, the spirit of the times for all of you who are wordsmiths. That's very interesting. But uh, so, and I love the fact that you were referring to Brooklyn, Deborah, because now the travel industry is calling Brooklyn the new Paris. (laughs) Really? Oh, yes. Uh, And in Paris, people actually are traveling to New York and making their hotel reservations and bed and breakfast arrangements for Brooklyn. And they're coming into Manhattan. You see how even cities go through and come in and out of generational popularity. It's so fascinating to look at. But when we look now at something I call artology, that's a phrase. Oh, beautiful phrase. Yeah. We originated that here on this show. And that's the study. (laughs) That's man's study of himself Mm. through the art he produces. And don't you find that as a really good mirror for zeitgeist or spirit of the times from generation to generation? 
Absolutely, that uh, one could do personal archaeology, one mm-hmm. could do zeitgeist archaeology, to coin a phrase, here on the show today. Yes. Probably not a very good one. <laughs> uh, by looking, uh, by doing a content analysis of the art that was created in the 60s, in the 70s, at each decade, and see how the consciousness and the creativity within that consciousness uh, informed what the art was. And yet, uh, there are some things that are universal that art, for example, does inspire hope. Art can inspire balance. If you're feeling a little upset, go look at the water lilies, mm, uh, that yes. kind of thing. So in a way, there's sort of a universal art. And then, of course, we have to look cross-culturally yes. that there are some forms that seem to strike our soul that are universally beautiful or understandable, whether we see them in context or not. Yes. So often it's the emotional, individual emotional or group consciousness emotion that we project onto a symbol, too, the way it affects us, you see. Symbols go in and out of favor according to the consciousness of the day. That's what I find. Well, and I'm thinking, of course, of uh, Islamic art, which is based on calligraphy and how very beautiful that can be. So the thing within humankind of a form of creativity, even if the form is apparently limited uh, Mm -hmm. by a Western point of view in that uh, uh, it it is letters, but so very beautiful, so very artistic, so very stirring yes. to the soul. Yes, the educated eye or the eye that becomes accustomed to seeing and looking deeper within something is and, a very important thing. And then, of course, we think of graffiti art, you know, yes. the art on the subway or the sides of the subway and how highly stylized and beautiful that is mm-hmm. or can be. Exactly. You're absolutely right. So when we look at things, um, we don't understand fully that we're being affected more than we think. And look, you know, another wonderful thing I think a lot of people in your industry, psychology, use is... uh, We think of it as an art form, not an industry. (laughs) Right. Well, it is an art form, truly. But I was about to bring up not only graffiti, but doodling. Mm. People will sit there and doodle. And you, with your training, can see such insight into what one thinks is a mindless thing. It's actually the mind getting out of the way so that the soul can start expressing things. Mm -hmm. Isn't that true? That is so true, Monty. Mm -hmm. It is so true. So, why don't you doodle everybody during our next... uh, (laughs) break that we're about to take and do think about calling us at 877-480-4120. You're listening to Living Consciously. I'm your host, Monty Taylor, and today we have Dr. Deborah Wolf with us. And this is the TalkingAlternative.com network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. 
Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. And welcome back to Living Consciously, and our guest today is Dr. Deborah Wolf. and I want to tell everyone that we're having some technical problems with the telephones today. If you're trying to call in with questions, and I do hope you are, uh, please be tenacious. Hold on. Uh, you might get some kind of funny recording, but we will be able to feed you right into the system uh, if you would only hold. So do give us a call at 877-480-4120. And now we're going to go back to all of this amazing evolution and cycles of change. But before we get into that, I want to show you a resource that you have right at the tip of your computer mouse. If you are looking and interested in spiritual, esoteric, or New Age literature, the Quest Bookshop here in New York should be your starting place. It's an independent bookstore. That's what I love most about it. It's not a chain. With an excellent selection of books, gifts, and meditation tools, and above all, a caring, well-educated, informative, highly trained staff that is there to help you get your answers. It's often referred to as a peaceful sanctuary in the heart of Midtown Manhattan because it offers free meditation classes uh, several days a week, uh, during lunchtime and after work, just when we need it the most. So see all of their events and their online catalog at questbookshop.com. Or stop in and see them personally at 240 East 53rd Street between 2nd and 3rd Avenue. And do tell them Monty sent you. Now, we're back. I can't wait to dialoguing here with uh, Deborah Wolf, who is bringing such comfort and reassurance and information to us. So often, we're the victims of ignorance. And that simply means we're ignoring the truth in front of our faces because we're not looking inside as well as outside for things. So we're playing a role in the larger society. And the larger society is the play within which we are acting out our contribution. So how would you guide us to do that more effectively? Oh, listen to your shows. <laughs> 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 you see, all of these wonderful psychologists have developed the art of humor very well. A lot. Or empathy. <laughs> right. A culture can be defined as a group of individual thought forms. Ah, therefore, we're all responsible for the culture we're producing, right? Mm -hmm. And they have the same values and goals that are seeking an integration with each other. Now, the media has been telling us, because the media thrives on controversy, that's the number one element to make something marketable, and they have now invented a term, in my opinion, called culture wars, when we see the contrasting differences of values between different generations and different geographical areas and different heritages. But if we can only look at them as just different facets on a diamond, I always say the more facets a diamond has, the more brilliance its light. So quite simply, without challenging each other how, and without being wimps, how do we? <laughs> That's a very, find very balance. important balance. Yeah. Sam, by the way, just made Sam Leibowitz, who is the director of um, the Double Diamond Center here. Yes. Just made a very, very important point, which is quite frequently when generational or when new art forms emerge. Yes. They are 
often not uh, identified as art forms. They are often insulted or yes. dismissed. Uh, I think, again, of graffiti art or hip-hop or rap or other kinds of things that have been embraced by the culture, or even photography, which was not considered true art yes. by the museums until until it was. And usually it, there's a, some kind of a avatar, there's some kind of person who has the vision uh, to make the change, to speak for the change, to become the visionary. And then, especially with social media, the, I think that uh, accepting these things is much more, it takes much less time. It's much more rapid embrace of it. So that what was shocking or uh, not beautiful or not understandable becomes part of the norm. And then within that category, there are gradations depending on the artist. Um, speaking to another point, I'm a Gemini, so I think of these things. <laughs> it's very confusing. In balance. Um, yeah, in balance. Uh, you talk about responsibility as we are all part of raising the consciousness. I think one of the most important but also the most challenging things that each of us have is to get to the point in our own development where we feel that we do make a difference, we are important, and that therefore we are enjoined to take responsibility for our part in the collective for our part in living a life where you feel well used, where you feel it's for something higher, but both for yourself, for your family, for your group. Uh, and that takes development because the human brain is not finished developing until it's about 35. Yes. Many people don't realize that. So they think, you know, if they're in their 20s, they think this is the way I'm going to be all my life. I think it's very comforting to know maybe not but you can make a difference in who you become. Oh, very definitely. Every day. Very yeah. definitely. Look at the irrepressible optimism of children, no matter what their circumstances. They feel they've mastered their environment, so therefore they're adults, you see, which is amusing. Or masters of the universe. Yes, and <laughs> sometimes that's the actual case. We have an insulting word in English, sophomoric meaning untried and superficial and we call the second year of university the sophomore year ah you're finally in university you're now on your way to having a degree to have your incompetence validated you're oh dear so, <laughs> it's the humor that's necessary there's hermes our beloved archetype mercury right or coyote yes uh, for the native americans oh, of course yes and then let's put him into the disney films and everything you know oh. going back and forth <laughs> But it's a fascinating way. And that's, again, cartoons, uh, animation. Wonderful art form. Yes. It's the next stage of how do you take very complicated social issues and make them accessible to the childhood mind. Well, not only the childhood mind. I mean, I've had experiences, I guess I can say this on the air, where I was doing work with a shaman in Peru, yes. and all of the great truths of my life came to me as cartoon characters. Yes. Because that's what my mind was populated with also. Um, as well, Monty, if you don't mind, those of you who have bypassed university, not everybody goes to university and is sophomoric these days. Right. Uh, there are many, many paths to your destiny. Many. And Choosing not to go to yes. university is one of them. Has nothing to do with anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember begging somebody I knew who was brilliant, 18-year-old, please, please, please go to college so you can get a job. And then, of course, he went to found his own company and, you mm -hmm. know, make a difference in the world and this kind of thing. Uh, it isn't on, the only... Yeah, thing. you're right. You're bringing something very important that the public should just think about for a second. We have now started confusing university education with vocational training. Very good point. And they're not the same thing. Very good point. And you know, once, you're reminding me of an experience I had. Uh, uh, my wife and I used to be good friends of the deputy governor of Canada, uh, the governor of finance, in fact. And I, of course, was in my 20s, so of course I knew everything. Of course. But I asked him, <laughs> I said, what do you look for when you hire somebody? He said, the first thing we look for is their ability to use what they know. Oh, that's great. And that 
I was so lucky to have been exposed to that phrase uh, at such an early age because I said, you know, unapplied knowledge never becomes wisdom, and that's one of the foundations of astrology. Say it again, Monty. That was very important. Yeah, they look for your ability to use your knowledge effectively. And in astrology, uh, the third house, Gemini and uh, Hermes and these various archetypes, the third house is information per se. That's watching the news program. Right. Not only that. Uh, And it's the exchange of perspectives from the higher mind to the subconscious. Now, when you can apply that, applied information can become knowledge. And that is the sixth house of everyone's astrological chart. Applied knowledge becomes wisdom. And applied, that's the ninth house and Jupiter. And then applied wisdom becomes transcendence. Lovely. Mm -hmm. But don't you find that people go back and forth at all these levels if they in fact achieve transcendence? Uh, all the time, yes, that you can have a lot of wisdom and then just go back to the beginning. It has to be able to be used. This is why your beloved archetype, you're a Gemini, you're ruled by Mercury Hermes in astrology, he was the only one of the archetypes of the gods that could go from the top of Olympus to the depths of Hades, the unconscious, with a free pass. And he did it all the time as the messenger of the gods to give them these different levels of development of consciousness. It's a very interesting thing. He was the only one that could go both those places with a free pass. Even Zeus couldn't do that. Beautiful. Wonderfully put. <laughs> Maseth, you were coming in. Gemini's and rule. <laughs> yes. But so do all the other houses. Well, <laughs> we all need every sign and we all have every sign active in our psyche. We don't understand that very often. That is so important because you can access all of that. We are not all at once on this course. dimension anyway. Yes. <laughs> but it's true. Well, you sit there with the compassion of having to guide people through their own confusion very often, which is a very good Gemini function because Hermes the trickster, when we have Mercury retrogrades, which are so famous, he likes to fool us with what we think we know. And so he'll give you a challenge saying, oh, really? Well, how would you apply it here? And you've taught me something called cognitive reframing, where we look at something and put it in a different context. And from that, I've learned so much from you. I wish we had more than one minute before our break. So we're (laughs) going to absolutely dive into that question as soon as we get back. Uh, So do think about it, uh, dear listeners, 877-480-4120. And please do stay on the line. We'll eventually get you on the air. We're just having technical problems. You're listening to Living Consciously. I'm your host, Monty Taylor. And today we have Deborah Wolf with us. And this is the TalkingAlternative.com network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Have you ever decided to reinvent yourself? Are you navigating a new life's journey? Are you an aspiring artist that's looking for direction? This is Kevin Barbaro, and my new show, Coffee Talk 3.0, is your new best friend. Tune in live to hear successful professional artists and their inspiring real-life adventures Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, right here at TalkingAlternative.com. Bonjour, this is Dominique de Coq. Bonjour, c'est Tamara Zuboff. Bonjour, c'est Asania Kone. We are hosting Pardon My French New York City. Our guests come from all over the world. From Mali to New Caledonia, from Paris to Quebec. French is a common language, yet they all come from different cultures, backgrounds or countries. And their common desire is to make New York their home. Listen to them share their stories. Join us at Pardon My French New York City every Monday from 1 to 2 p.m. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. 
or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. And welcome back, everybody, to Living Consciously. I believe we have a caller on the line that's been trying to slice through our technical problems. Are you there, caller? Well? Hello, are you with us? Oh, welcome to the Living Consciously. You're on the air. Hi. Hi, Monty. Who is um, this? This is Allison. Allison, welcome. Thank you for your call. How can we help? Well, you know, you guys were talking about Brooklyn and it being, you know, this wonderful, like, art mecca and blah, blah, blah. And, and the reason I sound so sardonic is because I've lived here for 20 years, and I've watched it, you know, I watched it try and resurrect from the death of Soho when all the artists came here. And what I see happening is just, you know, just corporate greenwashing. You know, condos are going up everywhere that are like, you know, just like the typical New York story. Artists can't afford to live here, but the contractors continue to use that. It's more of an advertising ploy you know, if you're going over the Manhattan Bridge into Manhattan, and there's a huge billboard that says Dumbo, the most creative uh, place in New York. Artists can't afford to live there anymore. So it's, I just see, like, all this corporate greenwashing, massive amounts of condos being built everywhere. And I was just wondering if you can speak to that, because, the, you know, I just look at the corporation as a virus that cannot really I – don't, I don't know that, that it's, there's any that you can recover – after having suffered from the corporate virus, like you know, once it goes into a city, a town, like you know, Walmart goes in, it takes down all the mom and pop uh, stores, and I look at that's what I see when I see New York. I I just feel like it is so over because there is no soul or creativity or element of expression anymore. There's just the hype of that. This is why we have mythology and folk tales. This is Deborah's domain. Now, for example, wouldn't you say this is a perfect example of uh, killing the goose that laid the golden egg? I think it is a perfect example, and I feel uh, very bad, Allison, is it, for, yes. um, yeah. for what you're experiencing? Because you've lived there a very long time. You see the neighborhood changing. You can't afford it. And in your experience, uh, the artists cannot survive. Um, and I think the artists are moving into neighborhoods where, uh, which, again, have been neighborhoods for a very long time. Yes, uh, again, I think it's rather like the generations of the Titans and the Gods in a it curious is. kind of way that there are some benefits uh, to corporations. But if you're living in the neighborhood and you see it, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, things beyond your control changing the neighborhood and you have to move out, of course, that's very, very hard. I think I was more talking about, I was referring to the uh, show, the crafts show uh, at Grand Central, which is uh, featuring only Brooklyn-made artisanal kinds of crafts. I don't know where those are made in Brooklyn, but they had to be made in Brooklyn to be in uh, to be in the show. So well, Brooklyn is apparently leading the whole entire uh, public with farm-to-table cuisine. Mm -hmm. It has the highest number yeah. of gourmet yeah. restaurants. You see, this is the positive catalyst of this challenge, this war, if you would have it, between right. the corporate mind, which is destroying the soul of the villager that lives in, every, in the heart of every New Yorker. Or usurping right. it. Yes, or usurping it. So now, what we're doing here with our wonderful audience is we're giving 
you the role of mythology and art in the human psyche to explain conflicts that really are not conflicts. Remember one of our mottos here, a problem is only a challenge being incorrectly met, and the public has a very powerful weapon. It's called the pocketbook. <laughs> and that's all they have to do. They're not seizing their own power. They're not honoring their own identity. Does that sort of give you at least a little food for thought, Allison? Thank you for giving us a catalyst. Yeah, I just wonder, I wanted to get your take because, okay, you said, okay, we have the power of our wallet. However, when you only have one choice, like you've got Dwayne No, Reed. that's never the case. And every victory is temporary. Okay. Every okay. victory is temporary. Just bide mm -hmm. your time and stick okay. to your guns. And thank you, Allison, so much for your call. I'm very grateful so to you, have so you. So you see resurrection on the horizon. You think that New resurrection will come back? is inevitable in every okay. spot of the globe. I mean, it may not be on our timetable, but it's there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely okay. beautiful. Okay. Thank you. Just look at a garden. Certainly. <laughs> okay. So, Deborah, All right, thanks thank a lot, you. Yeah, thank you, Deborah, for giving us that insight because I'm sure you have many, many. You're a, a specialist in the anthropology of the human psyche as well. And there's so much myth and so much um, folkloric fairy tales and things like that that we could call upon that contain gems of wisdom. And we look at them as entertaining little stories. There's so much more. Oh, they're so powerful. Um, I do want to put in a plug for certain aspects, by the way, of the corporation. I worked for a large corporation, mm -hmm. uh, odd as that might be. I was in corporate philanthropy, uh -huh. and I saw the way that there was heart in the corporation yes. going into the neighborhoods and helping small businesses develop and things like that. If you're living in a neighborhood where the neighborhood is being taken over by corporations or for gain, it's very, very hard. But as always, there's a balance. Well, an astrologer would say corporations are ruled by Capricorn ah, and Saturn. And if you look at the myth of Saturn, he was usurped by his son, Zeus, just as he usurped his father, Uranus. There's always an overthrow when something becomes totalitarian, stable, or overly dominant that's the announcement of the beginning of the end. And that may be why the crafts and the, uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, old so-called old ways of doing things, the handmade ways, yes. are coming back. Because there's more humanity in it, isn't it? More heart. You asked about um, cognitive reframing. Yes. Or you mentioned cognitive reframing. Cognitive reframing is probably the most useful personal a tool that one can have because almost all of us have some negative message about who people think we are right. that we've internalized, at least in our competitive culture, probably not among the Hopi, and which is very cooperative. Um, so we remember that we were teased in the second grade. We were remember that we remember that uh, in a fit of exasperation, a parent told us something that made us think we couldn't do something or we weren't entitled to or we were stupid. Cognitive reframing is based on the work of Aaron Beck, who realized that our emotions don't determine how we feel. It's our thoughts yes. that de determine our emotions. Yes. So he developed a really very simple and brilliant way of dealing with that, and that is when you feel bad, to realize what you're thinking. What is it you're thinking that make you feel, it's making you feel bad? Isolate that thought. And what I do is just cross it out in my mind. I have a big red X that crosses it out and then replace it with a positive thought mm -hmm. that m makes sense to you. Over time, your brain changes. You become more positive about yourself. Yes. For example, oh, who are you to think you can write that play? cross it out. I have the interest and skill to do it, and I am going to try, and I'm going to break it down into manageable segments. Exactly. Yeah, and over and over again. Uh, yeah, that's, it's so vital. It, and it's the perspective and the emotional attachment to the thought and the thought that's triggering the emotion. I use an example in my lectures where I say, you know, the unaware person looks at a caterpillar and sees a worm. 
And the evolved consciousness looks and sees a butterfly in potential. Beautiful. So it's just the way we look at it. Now, first of all, let's get down to business. The most important thing we want is for people to be able to get in touch with you, Deborah. Could you please tell us how can our listeners reach you directly? Oh, that's so nice. Um, website www.debrahwolfphd.com. Website. Office phone 212 9795532. So it's the phone number. You'll be happy you wrote that one down, dear listeners. So, you know, I can't believe we're coming so closely to the end of our show already. But one exciting announcement I have, not only that this is our 200th show, uh, but uh, we're going to have Deborah Wolf on, Dr. Deborah Wolf, on our show once a month for a while. And it's going to be a wonderful ongoing series. So if you want to sort of just follow the newsletter, and if you'd like to be on the newsletter, please do contact us here at TalkingAlternative.com, and we'll see what we can do, you know, to keep you informed about what our future plans are. Deborah, I want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and kindness with us. It was a true collaboration, and I am so proud of you, Monty, for 200 wonderful shows yeah, we're very, very happy. Thank you so much. Well, let's hope for 200 more, everybody, dear listeners. So, in closing today, the last show, live show of the year, 2014, I want to give infinite thanks to Sam Leibowitz, our fearless producer and owner of Talking Alternative, and to Janice Taylor, our absolutely loyal and faithful line producer who makes so many things possible because no one ever notices what she does. In the meantime, please think about what you learn on this show. Apply it to your lives and above all, live consciously. Talking Alternative Radio 24 hours a day. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212 212- 721-8183 The Conscious Consultant Helping conscious people be better business people Have you ever decided to reinvent yourself? Are you navigating a new life's journey? Are you an aspiring artist that's looking for direction? This is Kevin Barbaro, and my new show, Coffee Talk 3.0, is your new best friend. Tune in live to hear successful professional artists and their inspiring real-life adventures Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, right here at TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.TalkingAlternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. 
I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media, my guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 